many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. All right. Hello. How you doing, superhumans? It's Boomer Anderson. Welcome back to another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. And today... I am so excited because we like to talk on this podcast about the frontiers of research as well as technology in the field of human performance. As always, I want to bring on an expert that can break this stuff down for you in bite-sized pieces of actionable information, which you can use in your everyday life to really go out there and have more focus, burn more fat, lift more weight, run faster, buy a company, sell a company, start a company, be more superhuman. And I must admit, before today's conversation, I took a handful of nootropics, some of which I won't disclose. But my guest today is one smart cookie. His name is Dr. Tom Stubbs. And Dr. Tom obtained a first-class honors degree in molecular and cellular biochemistry from Magdalen College at Oxford. Tom subsequently undertook a PhD in epigenetics at the University of Cambridge, There, he worked on the implementation and development of novel wet lab and computational methods aimed at improving the understanding of epigenetics, specifically DNA methylation. If all of that sounds like Japanese to you, I really, really encourage you to stick it out through this episode because the one thing I really, really enjoyed about this conversation is that Dr. Tom takes really complex topics and breaks them down into easy-to-understand language. Over the last four years, Dr. Tom has been working at the forefront of epigenetic research and has authored a number of high-impact scientific publications, as well as patented two models. He took all that brain power and got together with a couple of friends and co-founded a company called Chronomics, which helps individuals to understand how previously unseen factors might have lasting effects on their health way ahead of time. You can imagine how that's useful. So what did Dr. Tom and I get into today? Well, first, we did redefine epigenetics because I have talked to Dr. Daniel Stickler as well as a few others about this topic before, but I think it's worth redefining. Then we get into specifically chronomics processes. What is next generation sequencing? What is the purpose of really looking at biological age from an epigenetic standpoint and why that may be more accurate than traditional telomere testing. Talk about how all of this information may be useful and actionable in your everyday life and really give you ways to get started today. And to that end, Tom and the guys at Chronomics gave all of the superhuman listeners out there a discount. So go over to chronomics.com, that's C-H-R-O-N-O-M-I-C-S.com, and plug in the code SUPERHUMAN. You're going to get a discount of 10% just for listening to today's episode. They offer cool things like whole genome sequencing, as well as this epigenetics test, which you can redo every year. So if you're interested in this testing, check out this episode because it's very interesting to see what's going on in the forefronts of research and what Dr. Tom and his team have been doing. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash chronomics. I spelled that one out already, but let's reiterate it. It's C-H-R-O-N-O-M-I-C-S. Enjoy my episode with Dr. Tom Stubbs. Dr. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Boom. Thanks for, thanks for having me. This is a topic that 
I'm absolutely fascinated by, have spent a lot of time doing some research myself. So it's really nice to have somebody of your level of expertise on the show to talk about epigenetics. And though we've talked about this in the past on the show, do you mind just defining epigenetics for us uh, before we get started? Sure, absolutely. So we're all used to thinking of our DNA that we get from, that's fixed from birth, uh, that governs whether we're going to have blue eyes, curly hair, or be at risk for certain genetic diseases. But there are many times where there are people on the planet that share the exact same genetic material, so identical twins. But there are many instances where one of those twins may develop an illness, so for instance, breast cancer, and the other one won't. And the reason for this is epigenetics, which is the science of how your environment and your lifestyle affect how both your DNA is controlled and also that DNA inherited by your children. So... Dr. Tom, on that, your company is, to my knowledge, one of the first companies that offers direct-to-consumer sort of epigenetic testing. Do you mind walking us through how you guys started Chronomics and just sort of why you decided, I, I'm curious personally, why you decided to go the consumer route versus some of the other approaches out there like going medical? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess in answer to your first question, Chronomics was founded off the back of research that myself and co-founder uh, Daniel, Dr. Daniel Herans were doing during our PhD and postdoc at the University of Cambridge in the labs of Professor Wolf Reich, one of the founders in the field of epigenetics, and Professor Shankar Balasbramanian, who was the technical co-founder of Illumina. And during this time, we built epigenetic predictors of lifestyle factors on aging. And, and what we found was that actually... From epigenetics, you could not only predict how old somebody was, so their chronological age, but actually you could also predict their biological age, so how healthy they look. So for instance, if somebody looks older than their actual true age epigenetically, then that's associated with adverse health outcomes. And if somebody looks younger, that's associated with better health outcomes. And while this was interesting from an academics perspective, we thought that it had huge potential to change the way that we think about health of people. And one, I guess, side note to that when we were conducting our, our research was that we found that not only could you predict age, but actually if you looked at those lifestyle factors that affected age on their own, you could also predict those factors themselves. So for instance, smoke exposure. And again, you can see not just how many cigarettes somebody's smoking, but actually how smoke exposure, even if they're not smoking, is affecting their health at the level of their epigenetics. Okay, this is super interesting. And I'm going to have a question on biological age in a second, because I've spent way too much time and money looking at different biological age markers. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about how this epigenetic testing works, because... I think many of the audience or much of the audience is familiar with something like a 23andMe, right? And you, you have your sequencing process, uh, etc. Do you mind just walking through how you guys, I guess, for lack of a better word, sequence the epigenetic markers and what markers you're actually looking at? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess in terms of both genetics and epigenetics, there are, if you like, two predominant technologies that people use to, to look at these, these aspects of our biology. And the older technology, or the first technology that was developed that enabled people to, to look at these things in a, 
relatively high throughput way at the level of single bases in your DNA, so single A, C, Gs or Ts, is, is what's called array technology. And this is similar to what, as you say, 23andMe uses or, or Ancestry or other DNA companies like this. And what this technology allows you to do is to look at a small subset of positions in the genome, so whether it be a couple of hundred thousand, and to get information about about those variants or those positions. And you can do this for genetics and also for epigenetic marks. The, the newer technology that was developed by my co-supervisor and is, I guess, now the predominant technology used in the, in the clinic is what's called next-generation sequencing technology. And this technology, instead of just sticking, if you like, pieces of DNA together and then looking at a, a colour this technology actually reads along the DNA, so you get to read every single letter. And due to that, and the fact that you can see multiple copies of the same letter over and over again, depending on how deeply you sequence, so how much you read, you get better accuracy and performance from this, this method. And what's really exciting about this method is that, unlike the array technology, where you can only look at a couple of hundred thousand positions, using next-generation sequencing... In the case of genomics or epigenomics, you can look at the whole genome, so all three billion letters of your DNA. Okay. Now, how does this pertain to uh, to epigenetics itself? Because right now, and I know chronomics does offer the whole genome sequencing, but uh, for some of us on the you know sort of human guinea pig side this is very interesting so how do you guys measure things like methylation markers uh, when you're doing the testing do you mind walking through what what that actually looks like yeah happy to so in terms of how how chronomics works so similar to another any type of dna test we send to you once you buy online a simple saliva test that you can take from the comfort of your own home. This is then posted back to us and we can then process that saliva sample to extract DNA and sequence to look at epigenetic marks. And I think the interesting part and the part that differs between genetics and epigenetics and the, the secret that lets you look at these marks is a chemical treatment step known as bisulfite conversion. And this step basically allows you, when you sequence, to see whether positions in the DNA are methylated or not methylated. And this is what we use to be able to get information about these epigenetic marks and then to be able to give people indicators of how environment and lifestyle factors are affecting their health in ways they can change. Do you mind going, you said it was bisulfate, what was that again? Yeah, so the, the chemical that we use is sodium bisulfite, and so it's a, a chemical conversion step. Uh, if you want me to go into a bit more detail. <laughs> Feel, uh, so this is more of a personal question because I'm fascinated by this stuff of just what sodium bisul bisulfite if I can say it three times fast, uh, helps in that, how that works in that process. Yeah, so happy happy to go into it. Let me know if I'm going <laughs> too deep in. No, no, um, no. So you have in your DNA, um, in your three billion, three billion letters that make up your genome, you have three letters that encode that DNA. So, uh, sorry, four letters that encode that DNA. So 
far fewer letters than you have in in the English or American alphabet. And these letters are A, C, G, and T. And these letters make up words and sentences that we think of as genes that then get expressed. What's important is that in terms of DNA methylation or when it comes to DNA methylation, the main base in humans that gets methylated is C, the cytosine. And what's interesting is because of the proteins and the enzymes that put that mark on, most of the time that methylation is only found on a C when it's followed by a G. And we call these positions in the genome CG dinucleotides. And so you have this this letter in the genome, this cytosine, that can either be methylated or unmethylated. And what sodium bisulfite does, which is a little little bit of a, a trick, is that if that cytosine is unmethylated, then upon sodium bisulfite treatment, that cytosine gets converted to another letter, uh, a letter that's actually found in RNA. But when you sequence it on a sequencer, it looks like a T. So all the cytosines or all the Cs in the genome that aren't methylated look like Ts, which means when you sequence the genome and you get the data back, bioinformatically, you're able to determine where methylation was and where it wasn't in the genome. Oh, this is this is amazing. Uh, all right, so there there seems to be a lot of implications for this, and one of the which that you touched on earlier, actually before we get into that, uh, Dr. Tom, does this mean that it's no longer useful to sequence your actual genetic code, and we should all be looking at epigenetics, or is there still value in that epi or in that genetic code? Absolutely, there's still there's still value in getting your your genetic code sequenced. The way, the way I like to think of it is that your, your genetics or your whole genome, if you get it sequenced, provides, provides the baseline telling you where you start life. But I think one thing that's really important to, to take into account, and this is where perhaps genomics has, I guess, potentially confused or misled people, is, is around the fact that you can actually action and do things to live healthier and happier lives. And this is, this is due to the importance of environment and lifestyle in the majority of diseases that affect us today. So whether that be diabetes or heart disease or, or cancer. So, so yeah, I would say it's absolutely people should get their whole genome sequenced so that they have this baseline information. But I would also say that now that we have this epigenetic information, it's possible for people to get updated information on their their risks for different diseases and what's important is that this epigenetic information is actually actionable and modifiable unlike that genetic information absolutely so as before what you know people like myself would do is take that genetic information overlay it with just essentially a lifestyle analysis and try and see differentials now we actually can see what it's doing to the to the expression of the genes or the methylation patterns if you will do i have that right yeah, exactly. So from from your your genome, you can only get associations as to what may happen in the future. So I guess to put it into context, it's like if you have somebody, if you have a baby, it's telling that baby that by the age of 50, they have a percentage chance of becoming obese. But apart from a, num- a couple of cases, that seems relatively... I guess, meaningless, because there are many different trajectories that that baby could move through life, many different environments and lifestyles that it could be exposed to 
that would impact far more on whether it um, ends up being obese and therefore may suffer from complications associated with that. Perfect. So I want to talk a little bit about the chronomics uh, reports and some of the things you guys have included there. And I've seen a sample on your website. haven't had a chance to go through the testing yet, but we'll do that soon. But looking at biological age, you mentioned this earlier, and I got a little bit giddy when you said it, that these methylation markers can help to determine a biological age more accurately than anything else. Do you mind just going through how this would compare to something like telomeres or I guess I've had my the biological age of my arteries tested before, but do you mind just going through the differences there and why it would be more accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a number of ways now that people have been looking at to try and measure biological age, as you say, uh, one of those being telomere length. What's interesting, though, is that epigenetics is the only measure of biological age that independent of the tissue or the, the sample that you take, whether it be saliva, a liver sample, a urine sample, a blood sample, you get age prediction. Now, if you take telomere length, for instance, you only actually get a weak positive correlation with age in blood. So if you take from another sampling source, you lose that that age correlation. What's interesting about this is that epigenetics seems to be a measure that is predictive of biological age independent of tissue type, suggesting that epigenetic age is a phenomenon that is kind of intrinsic to to our bodies. And there have been a number of publications, some of which us as founders have published ourselves, that show that epigenetics is highly correlated with with chronological age. And in addition, there have been a number of papers that have shown how different environment and lifestyle factors can affect that, that biological age score or outcome. So, so yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting to see, see the power that epigenetics has as a biomarker for, for biological age. Now, in terms of at the level of how, how does it work or how does, how does it play out epigenetically, this is still an area of active ongoing research. But what we do know that is that is interesting is that although the epigenetic predictors of age that have been defined have been defined using a subset of genetic or epigenetic positions, if you like, these epigenetic changes that occur with age, so places that gain methylation with age or lose methylation with age, seem to be occurring throughout the genome, not associated with specific regions. Okay, so this is this is very interesting. So it, when you're running these reports, uh, how? So with biological age, it appears to be uh, sort of a, for lack of a better word, human-wide expression or, or of the markers. Do I? And forgive me if I'm using wrong language there. Do I have that right? Yeah. So independent of tissue. Mm-hmm. You can predict age using epigenetics in in people, in humans. I wouldn't necessarily call this expression just because it would maybe then get confused with gene expression, which is actually the transcription of genes. But what we're talking about here is the marks on DNA that are used to actually control um, expression of genes amongst um, regulation of DNA more generally. Okay, so... 
Yes, I, I, I did misspeak there. So independent of tissue, we can determine biological age from epigenetics. Now, looking at specifically what chronomics is doing, do you mind just touching on sort of other markers that you're test, or not just markers, but other um, areas that you're testing besides biological age? And specifically, you know, are you testing one region or are you testing kind of the whole human for this? Because my understanding is, is if you have methylation in your cheek of a specific gene, it may be different from another gene, let's say in your thigh. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. So unlike your your genome that in the majority of cells is identical, so there are some cell types that don't have any DNA in at all, such as mature red blood cells, for instance, but in the majority of your cells, your genome is fixed, is the same. In contrast, epigenetics in different cell types is different in, in certain regions of the genome. On the whole, most of the marks are relatively stable, but there are, there are hotspots that are different. And these are, these are important because something we haven't touched on, uh, but maybe is important to mention, is that epigenetics is the reason that we can go from being one cell to a human with trillions of cells that are all differentiated and specialised to, to conduct different functions. So in order to differentiate into those different functions, there needs to be a regulation and control of gene expression. And that gene expression regulation or control needs to be different in different cell types so that those cell types can express different genes and do different things. And so, as you would expect, different regions of the, the epigenome that control that uh, differ in different cell types. In terms of what we do at Chronomics... We assess saliva samples, and we do this because saliva samples, contrary to what you may think, um, you don't just get exposure to buccal cells, but you actually also get exposure to white blood cells. So you get information about what's happening in the blood. Also, there have been a number of studies that have looked at uh, methylation in saliva and found strong associations with what's happening in the brain uh, because of its proximity. I think one thing that's important to say, though, is that acronomics, we're not trying to understand from an academic perspective the, the mechanisms behind these changes and why they happen. We're trying to show that they're there, they are happening, and you can make changes in your life to avoid them getting, getting worse and to stay healthy. All right. This is, uh, this is perfect. Thank you, Dr. Tom. So looking at some genes, it, it seems like how, if they're methylated or not, is it could be very useful, something like APOE, for instance. But for others, looking at something like clock, which I, I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you can change the expression with just one bad night's sleep. Uh, it may be a little bit less uh, worthwhile to know how that is really being methylated or not. Now, how do you select the genes that you guys... Uh, specifically put into the reports and focus on? Yeah, so this is a, an interesting point. I'm glad glad you brought it up. So if we just go back to, to our DNA or our, our whole genome, actually only, only a fraction, so only a couple of percent of that DNA encodes for protein. And the vast majority of it is, can be thought of as, as non-coding DNA, so doesn't, doesn't code for protein. And 
the epigenetic marks that we look at aren't just focused on genes. They're actually found throughout the genome. And so what we do at Chronomics is we assess millions of these epigenetic marks throughout the genome. And then we use our proprietary machine learning approaches to define specific signatures for specific environment and lifestyle factors. So we don't focus in on specific genes to get get information about specific things, if that if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Okay. So based on this, what are some of the things that we can learn based on these different markers and signatures that you mentioned? Yeah. So, sorry, just before we get onto that, one one other thing I guess I wanted to <clears throat> to mention about uh, epigenetics, which which is quite different to many other biomarkers that we, I guess, look at or people look at, is that epigenetics has a memory. So you mentioned here, for instance, about kind of APOE versus clock genes. And if you look at the expression of the gene, depending on, as you say, for clock, the time of day or uh, APOE, you will see different patterns of expression. But that expression is either there or not. And you don't get any information about perhaps what it was before. Whereas in the case of epigenetics, there is this memory. So, for instance, if we take the example of smoke exposure, if you were smoking two months ago but stopped, your signal would have reversed, but it wouldn't have gone all the way back to as if you'd never smoked uh, in the space of two months. So there's a residual memory associated with epigenetics, which makes it incredibly useful for looking at environment and lifestyle factors such as stress or, or traumas that may you know, appear and then, and then disappear. All right. This is, this is incredible, especially because I know a lot of the people that are listening have uh, particular issues with stress. That's for sure. But based on this, Dr. Tom, how do you use this information tactically to sort of make change in, in your life? So yes, I have a history of stress. Knowing that, how would you implement that and could you reverse some of these the this story so to speak that's stored in your epigenome yeah absolutely and this is a this is a really great question so for instance knowing about biological age or smoke exposure or metabolic status or or trauma or whatever it might be at the the level of your your epigenome provides you with personalized insights about how the environment and the life that you're leading is impacting your health internally. And what this information does, it, is, it enables you to pinpoint the things in your life that you should be focusing on. So there's a huge wealth of generalist health advice out there. Uh, and I think, you know, if everyone was to adhere to all of it, there would probably be not a huge amount of time left in the day for anything else. <laughs> yeah, morning routines can suck up the whole day if you... Really follow <laughs> exactly. everybody's advice but but with these personalized insights from from epigenetics and from the the service that we offer at chronomics you're able to dig down and and pinpoint what are the specific things that if you altered or worked on would lead to the best health impacts for you let's talk about the future here tom because i i really am curious because this is really I mean, to my knowledge, you're the first direct-to-consumer epigenetic testing service. Uh, but what would be the what? What does the future look like for Chronomics? What are you guys trying to get into next? Yeah, great, great question. So, I think for us right now, the what we're really working on is trying to get 
epigenetics into the hands of as many people as possible. And at the moment, we are doing that through, I guess, as you say, direct consumer channels. But we're now also moving into corporate-based wellness and healthcare healthcare systems uh, to work with these providers and these distributors to to ensure that as many people as possible are benefiting from the insights of how your DNA is changing, so from this epigenetic information. So, Tom, let's talk, before I get into the final questions, I would love to hear a little bit on how you guys use the data because I know and you guys are in the UK I'm in the Netherlands but I'm from the US privacy is of concern particularly in Europe how is uh, how do you guys treat the data in terms of data privacy and then I have a couple following questions about the raw data etc yeah absolutely so great question really really glad you brought this up and this is something that we as a company are hugely passionate about uh, is is data security and data privacy. And I guess we we know, I guess in the recent history of, of scandals in terms of data privacy and security, from, from our perspective as a company uh, and choosing to operate and, and house our data under the regulation in Europe, uh, the, the strongest data protection legislation in the world, we are one of the only companies where you actually own your genomic and epigenetic data as an individual. And if you wish for that data to be deleted, it is deleted from all stores. So including archival stores, all copies can, can be deleted. And that's, that's due to the recent legislation in Europe uh, that has enabled us to empower the individual with control over their, their information. All right. So no, no plans and feel free not to answer this question. No plans to sell it off to some pharmaceutical company, like maybe some of your competitors have done. (laughs) No, definitely, definitely not. So any, we obviously, you know, this data is incredibly valuable and we want, and when I say valuable, I don't mean from a monetary perspective, I mean from future health insights that we can get and offer to people. And so we, as a company, definitely want to continue researching and improving what we, the number of indicators that we can can give to our customers. But we believe that the individuals should be involved in that process. There shouldn't be a, if you like, behind the door data sale going on, but rather the users of our service are wholly involved in that process. And if they want certain questions to be answered from an academic perspective, then we can share that data on their behalf. But nothing is going to be done without uh, informed consent from from the individual. All right. So last couple of questions on the data front. Um, what are the total number of markers that you guys are testing? Because I know there is a separate offering for the whole genome sequencing, but within that epigenetic for lack of a better word, that uh, methylation testing, how many markers are you measuring? And then can we download it ourselves for us sort of wannabe bioinformaticians? Yeah, great, great question. So to answer the first one, from the epigenetic test, we're looking at half a billion positions in the genome. And this is the data that we use to define, define the indicators. 
in terms of raw data usage, so we actually have a number of our original customers were bioinformaticians that were just really excited as well to get their hands on on this incredible, incredible data. And so, yes, it is completely possible to get access to your raw data and at whatever level of raw that is for you. <laughs> so as you say, there are kind of, I guess, different different steps in the in the process uh, to getting to the indicators or to the predictors, and you're able to get access to all of them. In terms of how that is delivered to you, in the case of the raw, raw data, it's it's easier if we download it ourselves and send it to you rather than the end user downloading it themselves just because of the sheer sheer size of the the data that that is being generated the old send the hard drive through the mail trick (laughs) yeah exactly exactly perfect Uh, yeah we transfer probably can't handle that one um yeah (laughs) this is absolutely fascinating dr tom and frankly i would love to have you back on because i want to talk more about just how this process works sequencing because and maybe we do a round two sometime because i think there's a lot out there that people need to understand more in detail to not be afraid of this and to realize that this could be extremely empowering. So I want to acknowledge you guys for taking this step and making this type of testing available to the general public. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. And yeah, we'd love to love to share again in the future. Absolutely. So I have final four questions, which I ask everybody, Dr. Tom. So the first question is, is are you ready for those? And that's not one of the four. <laughs> Um, yeah, go on. Why not? Okay. So for you, what is health? Great question. So I guess the kind of dictionary definition of, of health is the state of being free from illness or injury. I think that's quite a negative definition. And to me, health is a very holistic concept um, that shouldn't just be the absence of ill health, but it should be its own its own state in its own own right so actually a state of of health and and happiness beautiful how do you increase your focus so in my i guess daily life i guess through through a number of different ways i'd say two predominant ways that i think are really important to to achieve focus is one exercise so i exercise very regularly and the other, which I guess is becoming more and more of an issue, is distractions from technology. So I try to remove as many of these distractions from from my my work and, and social life as possible. So that can be things as simple as turning off notification streams, because I'm sure, like me, most people are constantly being bombarded with different types of notifications from different products all the time. And it's incredibly distracting and actually inhibits good thinking time and thought time. So try and remove remove as many of them as possible from from my life. <laughs> and what's your favorite book on high performance? That is that is a a tough question, I guess. Uh and kind of depends on on what high performance means. I would say one book that you know, is is a book about high performance, but more just a an inspirational story in spite of what's what's come out since uh, that I found really, really great was Lance Armstrong's It's Not About the Bike, just about 
I guess, high performance and, and sheer determination would probably be, yeah, a book. Don't know if it'd be my favorite, um, but yeah, definitely definitely a book that I'd say is inspiring from a high performance perspective. And I'm going to throw a, an additional question in here because people out there are getting excited about genetics and epigenetics. And we can scratch this if you don't have one off the top of your head, but what would be a go-to resource that you would recommend for an average person to learn more about how, or, or learn more about genetics and epigenetics in general? Yeah. So I think they are, they are such vast fields that there's probably not any one resource. I would say that on our, on our website, there's a number of uh, well-written blog articles that give you give you a good overview of the the difference between genetics and epigenetics and some of the ways in which they're measured. I would say also good references uh, would be the website What Is Epigenetics? Yeah, and then depending how how interested people are to dive dive down into the science, you you can't beat uh, PubMed, so the NCBI resource for for research in these areas. It's one of my favorite websites these days. All right. So, uh, Dr. Tom, this has been, again, very fascinating. And I, I would love to have you back on and talk about this process because I think that big big data in health is definitely here to stay and people need to be less scared of it. But um, if you don't mind sharing, where can people learn more about you and chronomics? Yeah, absolutely. So people can check out our website at chronomics.com so c-h-r-o-n-o-m-i-c-s.com they can also drop us an email at info at chronomics.com follow us on instagram facebook or as mentioned before with blogs on medium or, or linkedin at chronomics and in addition follow us on twitter at chronometry. Excellent. Dr. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I really, really am glad you came on the show. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I guess the, the last thing to say is that we would love to be able to offer yourself and your listeners uh, a gift of health discount code for, for having us on the show. Excellent. And uh, we can link to that discount code as well as some of the research and papers that you you mentioned, Dr. Tom, in the show notes, uh, which will be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash chronomics. But Dr. Tom, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Boom. To all the superhumans out there listening, have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally... For those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health.